Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I'm Dr. Gina, and this is Primetime Joe Biden, he'll be making some history tomorrow, at least uh, in his own terms, if he actually follows through with the press conference that he has scheduled for tomorrow. It will be a record 64 days in office since taking questions from the press. That's longer than any president in the past century. That's impressive, Joe. And today, Biden was getting warmed up. He actually held a briefing in the West Wing and invited the press in to take pictures just to prove that he's actually ever been in the East Wing doing anything, showing up for pictures and uh, not just sleeping in all day. And in some prepared remarks, he actually let us know who is really responsible for the Biden border crisis. And uh, you guessed it, he blamed Donald Trump. Listen. So this new surge we're dealing with now started with the last administration, but it's our responsibility to deal with it humanely and to, uh, and to stop what's happening. And so this increase has been consequential. And, but the vice presidents agreed among the multiple other things that have a meeting, and I appreciate it, uh, agreed to um, uh, lead our diplomatic effort and work with those nations to accept re the returnees and enhance migration enforcement at their borders, at their borders. Donald Trump's fault. So now that we know that Biden thinks that Donald Trump is to blame for the border crisis, which is actually laughable, um, is, yeah, well, Biden says the border crisis is now in the hands of Kamala Harris. So listen to this. It's not her full responsibility and job, but she's leading the effort because I think the best thing to do is to put someone who, when he or she speaks, they don't have to wonder about, is that where the president is? When she speaks, she speaks for me doesn't have to check with me. She knows what she's doing, and I hope we can move this along. But... Wow. She speaks for him. She doesn't have to check with him. So if you want to know anything about the efforts at the border, call Kamala. And if you have any questions, call Kamala. She is in charge. You don't even need to talk to Biden anymore. It's all Kamala's job now. So tomorrow, during the press conference, he can just refer all questions about the border to the new person in charge, Kamala Harris, voila! He doesn't have to answer any questions about that big, challenging question of the border crisis. How about that? And the other big story still in the news today, gun control. Democrats are excited about the prospect of using the supermarket shooting. It is despicable how they've used it. Uh, that shooting, of course, in Boulder, Colorado, uh, making a big push for gun control, politicizing that issue to the nth degree from the morning of the shooting. I've never seen anything so despicable as a politicization of 
this shooting. And yesterday, we saw Joe Biden come to the podium knowing nothing about the shooting or the shooter, and he called for gun control and restricting magazine capacity and more background checks. But now we find out that the shooter in Colorado had a heck of a lot more than just a background check done on him. He was actually on the FBI's radar already. So what would a background check have done? Well, absolutely nothing, but we're going to talk about that with Steve Rogers a little later on in the show. And Jessica Rivera has a report on that from that area coming up momentarily. But I hear a lot of people on both sides saying that mental health experts are the key to stopping shootings like the one in Boulder, Colorado this week. And Allison Camerata over at CNN actually floated the idea of having gun salesmen become amateur psychologists as they are speaking to customers to see if they are fit to be a gun owner. Listen. In terms of the investigation, do you think that police now, by this time, know where this suspect bought the gun? And why don't we start there? Why, in, case, in terms of making change, since it seems intractable at the national level, why don't we go to gun shop owners and say, do you think that this 21-year-old who comes in and wants an AR-15 style weapon, do you think that he looks like he's going hunting with this weapon? Did you ask him, um, by the way, do you ever think that people are chasing you? Do you ever hear voices saying that people are coming for you? Do they ever ask questions like that? Because this guy, it sounds like, according to his family, would have answered yes. And I've been talking about this for years, actually. I've been writing about this for years. And with a background, as I do have, thus the PhD, in human behavior, uh, that is the worst idea, Allison Camerata, ever. A salesman is not a mental health expert. And they shouldn't be expected to determine who is eligible to own a gun. The last thing in the world we want is a bunch of amateur mental health professionals out there. Even mental health professionals, frankly, should never be given the power to determine whether people should have their Second Amendment rights. And it's an easy mistake to make, especially by people who love, you know, conservatives who love their Second Amendment rights. And I am a person who values all of my Constitution, all of our amendment rights, but especially our Second Amendment right, which I believe protects the rest of our amendment rights, uh, Bill of Rights. Um, and so this is very important to me, but this cannot be pinned down as a mental health issue. And I'm going to explain all that. Do you want an elitist, Ivy League educated, leftist determining whether or not people should own guns? bad idea, friends. It's a bad idea. And I've written a lot about it, and we're going to talk more about that coming up. But first, let's go to our hosts and correspondents around the country. First, we start in Washington, D.C. with Sophie Mann. Go ahead, Sophie. Hey, Dr. G, bringing you some D.C.-specific news about the coronavirus and how it still continues to impact our day-to-day -day life here. Um, earlier this week, the National Parks Service announced that despite it being peak bloom season and obviously this activity taking place outdoors, D.C. Uh, residents and tourists will not be allowed to see the blooming cherry trees in person this year. What's happening is that the National Parks Service announced Tuesday that in accordance with guidance from the Centers for Disease Control and D.C. Health, uh, the tidal basin where the 
Japanese cherry trees blossom every year will be closed uh, on the East Potomac Park and West Potomac sides during the peak season, which is coming up just this week, next week, and the week after. This is to continue to mitigate the spread of the coronavirus, of COVID-19. Cars won't be allowed to drive by them, and pedestrians will be severely limited in their ability to access the blossoms. Uh, the public was reminded by the National Park Service that they will be able to see the blossoms through a variety of online resources, if that's the way they want to go about this. Personally, I feel like that is a little bit of a bummer, watching the beautiful cherry trees that people, you know, want to see every single year uh, that I think a lot of people were probably looking forward to after a year cooped up inside uh, through an online portal. So definitely a little bit of a bummer, but I guess hopefully we'll be able to see them next year. And there are, of course, other parts of the district where you can see some of these beautiful cherry trees that were a gift from Japan planted and blossoming over the next couple of weeks. You have got to be kidding me. You have got to be kidding me. It's one thing for them to say people can't walk around outside to see the cherry blossoms. I think that is the most absurd. Speaking of insanity, uh, that is insane. That is insane. But to say that people can't even drive past the cherry blossoms is this America. It is becoming unrecognizable, Sophie. Thank you for that report. But geez, the insanity is absolutely on steroids these days. All right, let's head out to Amanda in Los Angeles where it's not going to get any more sane, I'm sure. Amanda, thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, Amanda, thank just you. up the coast from you in, in San Francisco, I hear they're giving away free money, huh? Yeah, so uh, shockingly, I'm going to be able to one-up Sophie's story in uh, in the arena <laughs> of stupidity. So Oakland is going to provide $500 a month for low-income BIPOC families, so that's black, indigenous, people of color families. It's a pilot program, and it's going to go out to 600 families. Again, that's $500 per month of just free money. Uh, again, we find a situation of 50 shades of stupid. Um, so I don't know, are you about to see a lot of empty flat screen boxes curbside in Oakland? I don't know, but this to me seems like it boils back down to the Democrats' argument, this new thing that they like to talk about of equity versus equality, or basically equality of outcome versus equality of opportunity. And and keep in mind, I mean, this is taxpayer money. This isn't, you know, rich San Francisco or Oakland or Sacramento Democrats who are pouring this out of their own pocket. This is taxpayer-funded money, but it's free money to these 600 families who, uh, who are struggling. The program is called the Oakland Resilient Families Project. Uh, so we'll see how that works out for Oakland. Oakland is not doing too well in the arena of finances, uh, nor are any cities in California since they had to get bailed out by the COVID bill, which ironically had nothing to do with COVID, but hey, it's the Democrat way. Wow, just wow. Um, so there's also, of course, a Chicago suburb. They're giving reparations to quote unquote black residents. Um, I'm curious what how people decide how they decide people are black residents. I mean, almost everyone in America has some degree of black blood, or at least a good 50% or more of us do. Um, how do they determine this kind of thing? Do you know? Yeah, it's a logistical nightmare. And folks on the left who are proponents of, of programs like these say, well, you know, we shouldn't let logistics get in the way. I mean, my gosh, why let facts or statistics get in the way of, of pushing some someone onto a government program so that they can, you know, 
be more dependent on the government forevermore. And what's interesting is that, you know, a lot of people know when you go to Chicago, there are great pockets of immigrant communities, people who immigrated to the United States from other countries. Again, this is taxpayer funded. So for those people who are receiving reparations, it's getting paid out by people who just moved here within the last 30 years or 40 years, or maybe they're a second generation, but they had absolutely nothing to do with slavery and therefore should not have to pay out reparations. But uh, again, why, why let any of that stuff get in the way? Wow. It, well, it's fascinating. Amanda, thank you for bringing all of this to our attention. Um, thank I guess you. we appreciate knowing and uh, we'll be uh, watching for this to come soon to a Democrat-controlled city near you. And the outcomes will be especially interesting because I promise you, this will not result in lower crime. This will not result in better jobs. This will not result in more employment or better educated children or any good outcomes. This will result in fewer good outcomes and uh, we'll be there to yeah. do the math when uh, no one else will. So thank you for that. Yeah, money for these types of endeavors tends to be a black hole. You're exactly right. Thank you, Dr. Gina. All right, let's head out to our RAV headquarters in Denver, Colorado, to Jessica Rivera. Jessica, thanks for being with us again tonight. Of course, Dr. Gina, the latest is 21-year-old Boulder shooter Ahmad Al-Isa purchased one of the two guns he had on him at the store just last Tuesday, which points to a legal purchase of some sort. Three of the 10 killed were King Super's employees. While in high school in 2018, Alisa pled guilty to third-degree assault and criminal mischief, both misdemeanors, for attacking a classmate while in class. We know he was known to the FBI uh, through an investigation involving an associate. Alisa drove to the grocery store in a black Mercedes-Benz sedan registered to his brother. He was dressed in a green tactical vest, long pants, and a long-sleeved shirt. Alisa first shot three people in the parking lot, and then he moved inside to the store. He surrendered to police after a brief shootout where he sustained a gunshot wound to the upper right thigh. Once in custody, Alisa only asked to speak to his mother. He did not appear to be under the influence of drugs or alcohol at the time, and police still do not have a definitive motive for the mass shooting. Alisa has been charged with 10 counts of first-degree murder. He is being held without bond and is set to make his first court appearance tomorrow morning, which we will be there uh, to bring you that. But Dr. Gina, I came on this show last week, uh, and I think you'll remember, to report about Colorado Democrat Governor Jared Polis' support for a state-proposed bill that essentially allows Colorado public school kids, especially minorities, to get away with petty offenses and misdemeanors without any police involvement, ticketing, handcuffing, anything like that, as long as they commit those offenses on school property or at a school-sanctioned event. Yet, right after the shooting on Monday, like you mentioned, Democrats on the left wasted no time jumping at the chance, once again, to push for a ban on assault uh, rifles and weapons. But what makes no sense is, if this Colorado public school bill passes, it will only help bury the red flags of violent kids and teenagers who are starting to show those patterns of mental illness or violent tendencies at a time when they're kids when uh, we can actually help them and get them the proper help that they need. You usually cannot do that with people. It's much more difficult when they're adults. And uh, that would include this Boulder shooter. The failure is, of course, the lack of attention to mental health problems and violent outbursts in kids. That is very much leading to these shootings because, to be honest with you, and we can look at Europe um, as an example, if somebody is going and wants to kill somebody, they will find a way, whether it's a gun off the streets illegally, 
a knife or a car. The law does not matter in these extreme situations. And I don't think that the Democrats um, and the left understand that there is a deeper issue that we're dealing with here. Or a bomb. I mean, there, there, are, there are a myriad of ways to kill a lot of people. And if that is your determined idea, then you're going to find a way to do it. But to confiscate guns in an effort to cure uh, what is um, evil, because that's what it is, it's evil, um, the answer is not turning all of our cops or, God forbid, uh, turning leftist university psychologist types into uh, the policing of our mental health. That's a really scary thought. Um, but, the, but the answer is to um, keep our gun laws in place, to enforce them, um, the ones that we have uh, for criminal behavior, and, uh, and to you know, punish the crimes, <laughs> as you said, and not to loosen up on the punishment of criminal behavior, as Colorado is recommending doing, especially for young people, um, like this young man who, if they didn't know of his criminal past, there's no way uh, that we would even know, frankly, probably because all of this would have been expunged uh, and kept secret, we probably wouldn't even know that he did have the problems that he did have. And, and there would have been absolutely no way to have precluded this or others like him. And so you're absolutely right about this. And thank you for doing that math because I haven't heard this anywhere else. You're the one who put two and two together and said, wow, you know, if they pass, if the leftists get their way and they pass this law that says we'll cover up all the crimes of people um, his age, basically, then um, there's no chance of preventing crimes like this one. A brilliant, brilliant deduction, Jessica. It's a shame more people in media don't do math like you do. All right. Thank you, Dr. Dina. <laughs> Coming up, Ben Burkwam is back at the border doing the job that the mainstream media won't do. That's next, right here on Dr. Gina Primetime. Stick around. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome back. Time. Now, our own Ben Berkwam has been covering the border like nobody else in television right now. Nobody else in news, for that matter. And he is back on the border. He's in San Juan, Texas. Ben, good to see you again. You have some big breaking news there, it looks like to me. Tell us. Uh, hey, thanks, Dr. Gina. So I was just down on the border in McAllen uh, speaking to Border Patrol agents down there. Now, because of the Biden gag order, they're told that they can't speak, and, and some of these guys, the agents, uh, you know, they, they're worried about getting in trouble. But I asked them off the record, what is the worst thing that's happening uh, that you can tell me and I can go investigate? Behind me is a hotel. It's the roadway in in San Juan, Texas. Border Patrol agent, again, who wanted to remain anonymous, said that this is one of the hotels that they're sending COVID-positive illegal aliens as they cross the border. I went into the hotel once I got here. Uh, I asked to speak to a manager to confirm that. I was told that they're not giving any comment on it. I've also put some calls into some of our higher level Border Patrol contacts to confirm one way or the other. And really the, the point is, uh, for one, is if this is one of the hotels where taxpayer 
dollars are being used to house illegal aliens. And two is if it's true that they're sending COVID positive patients here and not doing anything to secure them, uh, to prevent them from going out into the community. That was what he was saying. He said that they're sent here, uh, Border Patrol brings them here, drops them off, and then they're told that they, they, they just don't have the manpower to uh, secure the facility. So th we're investigating that. I haven't confirmed all of that yet, but I'll tell you this, this came directly from a Border Patrol agent down here on the ground uh, to me uh, firsthand. And the hotel is completely full. And there are four cars, uh, excluding police officer vehicles. Um, so if the hotel is sold out and there are four cars, I'm sorry, Ben, it doesn't really take a rocket scientist to figure out that uh, your uh, information from the Border Patrol agent who told you that it's housing, uh, you know, at least a, a lot of illegals um, is very, very likely or at least a, um, you know, possible. Yes. Right. Well, and, and this, you notice, there's clothes drying on just about all of the, uh, the uh, uh, guardrails all around the hotel. And again, like you said, there's four cars basically in the parking lot. Uh, the hotel stretches. It's a, a very large hotel. This is a small section of it, and it continues on past my left. And basically empty of vehicles, but full of people. So again, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out what's happening here. But before we say confirmed one way or the other, again, we're trying to get that. But we wanted to bring you out here. When a Border Patrol agent tells me this is what's given him heartburn beyond having to let illegals into our country, and we're having to do it in mass now, we also just got word that uh, in this sector that the administration is now uh, has sent, uh, I believe, 5,500 illegals that were brought in. They don't have room to detain them, and now they're going to be releasing them into the country without a court date just from this sector here. So it's, it's out of control. The bottom line is this is out of control. I spent the, the morning on a five-mile hike going down along the river along uh, Benson State Park, which has basically become an illegal alien preserve. We went down there, and there was thousands of trails. They all start at the Rio Grande River, and then they pass through the park, the Benson State Park, into America. The whole thing down here, it's just it's wild. I, we found uh, uh, rafts on the side on the shores of the river, uh, that had been used and then dumped as they came in. We'll be providing that footage for you. Uh, it's just been, it's been a, a unbelievable. But again, when I asked Border Patrol what makes him the most upset, this is what he said. Uh, ben, it's interesting. I, I spoke with the president last night about this issue exactly. And, uh, and he was telling me that uh, we were three weeks away from having the border completely closed off, that the only thing that was left uh, were really, at the time Joe Biden took the presidency, the only thing that were left were really moving our equipment back um, and that he'd left holes basically so we could get our equipment back across the border. Um, and uh, that, uh, you know, we were really, for all intents and purposes, ready to be done, that the border was technically closed. Uh, does this coincide with everything that you've seen, that we were that close to being really done with uh, tightening the border completely and having it locked down and having the problem of illegal immigration and the, the crime and the fentanyl and the human trafficking and all those things fixed? And then now here we're starting all over again because the reason I ask, Joe Biden this morning, uh, the little bit that he's ever talked to the press, said that this whole problem started under the Trump administration. But when I talked to the president last night, uh, Don Donald Trump, he told me a completely different story. 
No question about it, Dr. Gina. I've been covering this for four years. I've been here, I've been from California, every single border, every all four states of border. I've been back and forth. I've been in Mexico and in Guatemala. I saw what, uh, that what uh, Barack Obama and the Democrats had done through their open borders policies. We were in, it was a, a national emergency. President Trump rightfully called it that. President Trump took action and his administration took the steps necessary, including building the wall, remain in Mexico policy, deporting criminal illegal aliens, and, and basically saying, don't come, because if you come, you're gonna be sent back. Literally within weeks, I have seen those policies that worked, America first policies under President Trump that worked, be destroyed, and now the floodgates are reopened. This solely lies at the feet of Joe Biden and the radical left in America. As soon as he said they're gonna halt deportations, as soon as he said that, the word was sent out to the world that all you have to do is get here. We have leftists in Mexico and Central America training people on how to come. We have cartels down there that are running this operation and everyone who comes across has to pay the cartels. And then Joe Biden did the, the worst thing that he's done so far and he ended the remain in Mexico policy. When that happened, everything that President Trump had done was basically undone, and we're seeing the fruits of that now. There's no question about it. President Trump was right, his policies were working, and the Democrats are wrong, and it is a disaster for America. I'm still fired up, Ben, about the video you showed us yesterday on this show. Rafts of illegals being led back and forth across the Rio Grande. Uh, and that was some stunning video. I can't understand why anyone would think that's okay in any way whatsoever. And it's not just endangering the lives of Americans, as you pointed out. It's endangering the lives of the Mexican families that live in those cities along the border as well. Absolutely. And you think about this as well. We see that down there, the, the footage that we're looking at right now with the raft that we saw yesterday, that was exclusive footage that we got. I, I got on the border in Brownsville, Texas. And just so people understand, this is happening all day, every single day. The cartels are bringing people across. Every single one of those people that come across have to pay the cartels. What we're seeing now is it is it is not only impacting the communities in Mexico, the cartels in Mexico, but the communities here in America, San Juan, Texas, as people are being shipped into our country and being sent around our country, as many of these communities are still locked down. I'm driving down the road and there are billboards that are warning me about the COVID threat, but yet we're allowing people into our country that have COVID. Businesses are being shut down, jobs are being destroyed, yet we're sending out checks instead of reopening the country and shutting down the border. It's, it's out of control, it's out of control. Yeah, well, you know, and Ben, I will say that under the Obama administration, when I lived on the border, uh, these kinds of crossings at least took place in the dark of night. The fact that they're doing it in the light of day tells me they are absolutely, they feel they've been given permission and they're emboldened in ways they were never before. Ben, thank you so much. Keep up the good work, stay safe. Um, and I appreciate what you're doing so much. Thank you. Thank you. And we certainly do know who is to blame for the Biden border crisis. Joe Biden told us who was to blame earlier today. Listen. So this new surge we're dealing with now started with the last administration, but it's our responsibility to deal with it humanely and to, uh, and to stop what's happening. 
And so <clears throat> this increase has been consequential. And but the vice president's agreed among the multiple other things that have a meeting, and I appreciate it. Uh, agreed to um, uh, lead our diplomatic effort and work with those nations to accept re the returnees and enhance migration enforcement at their borders. At their borders. Right, because remember all those Trump shirts at the border that all the Mexican illegals were wearing? Oh, wait, those were Biden shirts. That's right. So they feel welcomed by who? Joe Biden. But Joe Biden says the last administration is to blame. But Mexican President Obrador has a different opinion. The Mexican president says Joe Biden is to blame for the border crisis. Here with me now to discuss Congressman Greg Stubbe. Congressman, thank you so much for being with us again. Yeah, thanks for having me. Congressman, your opinion, who is to blame? Well, we know who's to blame. It's Joe Biden. When you tell before you even elected, before you even sworn in, if you tell America and the world that you're going to give 100 days and then give amnesty to illegals, what do you think is going to happen? You're going to have throngs and throngs of people trying to illegally get into this country in the hopes that they'll be here when Joe Biden waves his magic pen in the White House and makes them gives them amnesty from being illegal immigrants here. There's one person to blame, and it's Joe Biden. And uh, all, all you got to do is look at the numbers. Uh, not just the numbers of people coming across the border illegally, 500 children a day coming across the border illegally. We've had more fentanyl seized in the first three months of this year than we had all of last year combined. So not only are they smuggling illegal immigrants, uh, they're also smuggling illegal drugs in record numbers that are killing Americans. And it's just, it's just not the right policy for America. Americans know that. And uh, I hope more and more people will stand up against what this administration is doing. Congressman, you heard the report from our correspondent, uh, Ben Burkwam, who is in San Juan, Texas, telling us about the COVID-positive illegal immigrants that are being sent to hotels all across uh, the borders. What's your reaction to that report? Well, Joe Biden's given millions of dollars to house illegals in hotels while the National Guard was having to sleep in parking garages and the U.S. Capitol and being fed meals that had metal shavings in them. So that's how we're going to treat our National Guard that's serving our country in the mm -hmm. capital of the United States while we allow illegal immigrants to come right across the border. They're not going to be uh, having to go to a hearing and we're going to put them up in hotels. I mean, it's a complete backwards the way that we should be treating uh, the people in our country who are citizens of our country versus people who are coming here illegally. Uh, early on, when Biden took office, there was even talk that he was going to restrict travel, domestic travel to the state of Florida. So we're going to allow legal immigrants to come in, into our country, but to, to restrict domestic travel to citizens of our country to a state like Florida. It's just the, completely backwards what's going on in our nation's capital right now. Well, but it's congruent, Congressman, with the rest of the things they're doing. I mean, they've pulled down the wall keeping foreigners out of our country, but they've put up a wall keeping us out of our own Capitol building. Congressman, there's been a media blackout until today. A delegation of White House officials and lawmakers are at the southern border today, and they're visiting the U.S.-Mexico border on Wednesday as the Biden administration scrambles to process shelter and care for this unprecedented number of migrant children and teenagers who are arriving at the border without their parents. Um, and, you know, here we have this whole thing going on, and we have this press blackout where no one's allowed to report. The, the border agents are not even allowed to speak to 
the press. Um, and so you have a situation where they're withholding information from, you know, from the American people and having no problem with that whatsoever. These are unprecedented times, really, aren't they, Congressman? Absolutely. Can you imagine for a second if the Trump administration denied access to CNN and MSNBC and other mainstream media outlets from being able to go down to border facilities, to be able to go down to the border to talk to border agents? Can you imagine for a second how the mainstream media would portray the president of the United States? But now we're hearing crickets from the mainstream media. Oh, nothing to see here. Don't worry. Everything's taken care of. Everything's humane. When in fact, they're putting kids in the same cages that the Obama-Biden administration used, that Trump inherited, and Trump uh, satisfied the humanitarian efforts that were going on there, yet now we have the complete opposite happening, and the mainstream media has nothing to do about it. And they're, they're prohibiting people and members of Congress and journalists from going down there, reporting to the American people what's actually going on down there every day. Thank you so much for being with us, Congressman Greg Stubbe. We appreciate it. Good to see you. Coming up, we talked to Lieutenant Steve Rogers, and he's going to tell us what he thinks the FBI knew and when they knew it regarding the Boulder shooter, and also to Mark McCloskey. You remember him. He's the man who defended himself with a gun against an angry mob in St. Louis. I'm going to tell you a little more about what I talked to the president about last night in person. It'll all be right here on Dr. Gina Primetime. Stick around. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. Some new and very interesting information about the suspect in the supermarket shooting has emerged. We now know the shooter in Boulder, Colorado, was actually on the FBI's radar already. So what does that mean? Let's ask the top expert on these issues. He is a former FBI Joint Terrorism Task Force member, Lieutenant Steve Rogers. Steve, Thank you for being back with us again tonight. You know you are my favorite terror expert uh, because nobody knows their stuff like you. And I just appreciate you taking so much time out of your life this week with your beautiful wife and family uh, to be here on the show and to keep us apprised of all of this. Steve, tell me, what does it mean that the shooter was already known to the FBI? I've got to tell you, this is very interesting. And this may be going down a road that nobody thought it would go down. What it means is that uh, he was being watched, followed, or, and when I say followed, not physically, but electronically, and perhaps some sort of FBI uh, surveillance on him uh, for quite some time, because we're finding out now that he is linked to another individual who the FBI will not uh, tell us who that is, uh, that was also under investigation. So here's, here's my conclusion regarding what we're learning uh, now that the FBI has information, for example, and they could have had this for quite some time, that this individual, this suspect, uh, certainly fits the profile of anyone who can be easily radicalized. This guy was a bully in school. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, he was bullied in school. Uh, he was paranoid. He had mental health issues in school. He was an introvert. I mean, he just fit the profile of someone who could be targeted by 
either a domestic terrorist group or a foreign terrorist group. Now, let me just underscore this one point. No one here is saying that there are any terrorist links at this point. But when you connect all of these dots, it gives you a real good reason why the FBI may have had this guy on their radar for quite some time. So the question I have is this. If they had this guy on his radar for quite some time, if he's linked to another individual who is under investigation for something we know not yet, what happened? Did they drop the ball? Uh, did they, they miss something? Because for this guy to do what he did uh, with the firepower he had, somewhere at some point in time, in my view, somebody may have dropped the ball here. Steve, Democrats say that we need more background checks, and uh, this is exactly where we, they went with this, and more gun control laws on the books. They said this immediately. But if the FBI already had their eye on this guy, what would a background check have done? Well, absolutely nothing. Uh, Dr. Gina, that's a great question. And the fact of the matter is, you could have background checks on individuals, and they could come up uh, perfect, as clean as can be. Well, a day, two days later, a week later, and, and you know, you're a doctor in the field, you know what goes on, somebody could snap. So background checks are, are good to the degree of what information you already have on file. But uh, this idea that background checks, that gun control, these are all political excuses for a public safety problem. And the public safety problem are not guns, all right? People who have their guns legally, they're trained, they know how to use them when they need to use them. So the idea of gun control and background checks certainly is not going to be the proactive measure that people think that they would be. Um, Steve, I, I, my hair stands up on the back of my neck when I hear conservatives say that mental health professionals should be part of the process determining gun ownership. Um, because I know who the mental health professionals are because I went through school with them. And let me assure you, the mental health professionals are 99.9% leftists. And if they get to determine gun ownership, let me assure you of another thing. No one who should own a gun is going to own a gun. <laughs> that much I can tell you. And so um, I understand the default to that because people want to say, oh, well, let's not just blame guns. And I get that. I, I believe in our Second Amendment as strong as anyone. Um, but when you say that mental health professionals should determine it, you put that in the hands of a bunch of, you know, ivory tower types and you're really asking for your gun rights to be taken away because they're going to immediately say well anyone affiliated with anyone who you know has ever supported a conservative of any kind uh, is, is terrorist that's what they're going to do look at what happened obviously we saw all the things that went down on January 6th everyone was blamed for something that very few people did and so that kind of thing is exactly the way that they will determine who can have guns. Um, Steve, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Well, it gets worse, Dr. Gina. Last night, uh, a host, okay, a host on a major mainstream broadcast uh, decides to tell the audiences that part of the solution to the problems is asking gun shop owners, those who sell weapons, to evaluate the mental health of the people buying the guns right there and then in their stores. So this is how, how far reaching this is going. Could you imagine uh, a, a gun owner now has to become a mental health quote unquote professional on the spot? Yeah. These people are out of control. When I say these people, the left, the socialists, uh, name them what you want, they're, they're out of control. But look at a mental health professional is not gonna solve this problem. Neither is anyone else other than 
to make sure that people are allowed to protect themselves. This is why myself and law enforcement professionals all over the country support the idea of uh, carry concealed weapons, give people their Second Amendment rights. The people who exercise that right exercise those rights with absolutely prudence and caution, and they do it. They do it in a way that innocent people don't get hurt. And punish the criminals hardcore. I want to play. go ahead and play that so our audience knows what we're talking about. You're talking about a clip from CNN. Here we go. In terms of the investigation, do you think that police now, by this time, know where this suspect bought the gun? And why don't we start there? Why, in case, in terms of making change, since it seems intractable at the national level, why don't we go to gun shop owners and say, do you think that this 21-year-old who comes in and wants an AR-15-style weapon, do you think that he looks like he's going hunting with this weapon? Did you ask him, um, by the way, do you ever think that people are chasing you? Do you ever hear voices saying that people are coming for you? Do they ever ask questions like that? Because this guy, it sounds like, according to his family, would have answered yes. And, and, and that's the thing, Steve. You, you know, you can be crazy, but you're, you're not going to answer questions. Most people, no matter how crazy they are, and I've had a lot of crazy people uh, come my way in my years of training uh, in different psychological capacities, uh, in therapies and whatever, um, and they're not going to answer the quick crazy question to a guy they're trying to buy a gun from. So people shouldn't be uh, thinking that they will, and you don't turn gun shop owners into therapists. But here's another thing, Steve, and I, I discussed this with, in my conversation. I had the opportunity to speak to the president last night, and I, I, I cannot believe that in four short years, Donald Trump took away, uh, essentially, terror cells, um, our, our fear of uh, foreign governments, and all of the things that, uh, you know, the economy that was in such such an array, um, and, and so many things, the, the borders being invaded. And in less than 100 days, less than 100 days, this administration has reversed so many things that all of those fears are flooding back for the parents of this country. In 30 seconds or less, Steve, uh, what is the hope for this country and those who want, need to be encouraged right now because they're just afraid of all of these fears coming back now that Donald Trump isn't president? FDR said there's nothing to fear but fear itself. And I could tell you that President Donald J. Trump is not going away. He's the leader of this country, whether people uh, refuse to believe that or not. The fact of the matter is he's a leader of this country because he has kept his promise, America first. America is a great country. It's a shining city upon a hill, and we the people will keep it that way. That's, that's a great answer, Steve. I said some, as much from last night. I said, I don't know how you've managed to be such a good post-president who had an election stolen from him, but somehow you've managed <laughs> to be the greatest all time at whatever this role is, and he's still good at it. And you are great, great at what you do, too. Steve Rogers, thank you so much for being with us. Always a pleasure. Thank you. All right, we have the mainstream media telling the stories all day, every day, about any time a gun is used in a crime. And as you know, we have a regular segment on here on Dr. Gina Primetime called Good Guy with a Gun. And our real-life good guy with a gun tonight is Mark McCloskey. You remember him as the man from one of my hometowns who defended his St. Louis home in the face of an angry mob, along with his brave, beautiful wife. And Mark McCloskey joins us now. Mark, great to see you. Thanks for being with us. Oh, thanks for having me on the show. Mark, gun control, the topic of the day on the minds of the Democrats, they never let a crisis go to waste. As someone who had to use a gun to defend your home, your thoughts? Well, you know, I have to make one comment on your last guest. 
in addition to sure. under uh, HR 127, in addition to a psychological examination of a potential gun purchaser, they suggest that we interview the ex-wives or ex-spouses of potential gun purchasers. Can you imagine wow. how that might go? <laughs> yeah, none of us will have guns. That's a great point, Mark. Yes. Um, it, what are your thoughts with the first thing off the cuff, them not only presupposing the media, I'm saying, that, uh, that surely the shooter must be a white supremacist Trump supporter. He was none of the above. In fact, he was kind of the exact opposite. But they're not blaming the Biden administration for that or the left or anyone affiliated with him. Um, what are your thoughts about their gut reaction being to take up literally gun control the very moment this happened before they even knew anything about the shooter. The, the left always has selective outrage. I mean, in the city of St. Louis, your old hometown, you lived out in the county and we live here in the city of St. Louis itself. Last year, out of a population of 300,000 people, we had 262 murders. Highest murder rate in the country, six years running, highest murder rate even in, here in St. Louis in the murder capital of the world in 50 years. No one on the left says that's a crisis. But, you know, any time that there's a what they call a mass shooting, the first thing they do is say, let's, bu let's ban what they call assault rifles. Well, in the last year we had statistics, which was 2019, twice as many people were killed with fists and feet as were killed with rifles, including what the left would call an assault rifle, and five times as many people were killed with knives. And you never hear the left say, take your knives away. But you know, the Second Amendment was designed to protect people's right to defend themselves, defend their freedom, and defend themselves if necessary against tyranny. And if the Second Amendment wasn't such a strong weapon against tyranny, why would the left want to take it away so frequently and, and so completely? That's right. Uh, Mark, I have less than a minute left in this segment, but I want you to quickly update us on where things stand for your family. Well, you know, we're, we're still uh, charged. We uh, have a new judge. We have a new prosecutor. We have a special prosecutor that was a uh, um, Barack Obama-appointed uh, U.S. attorney for the Eastern District of Missouri. He's just given up his judgeship in Cole County, which is Jefferson City, Missouri, to come in and be the special prosecutor in our case. So we're still in the preliminary steps of our, of our prosecution. As, as you know, uh, Kim Gardner, the circuit attorney, was disqualified from our case and the entire circuit attorney's office for using us in her campaign propaganda to say how she was going to get even with us and the president and uh, the governor of Missouri uh, for standing up for our Second Amendment rights. Once again, this is Shameful. just regular. Yeah. George Shameful. Soros. Mark. Mark, we, we do wish your family the best, and thank you so much for being with us. We'd love to have you back on again soon. Oh, thank you very much, Dr. Gina. Coming up, I'm going to tell you a little bit of what I spoke about with President Trump last night. More Dr. Gina primetime right after this. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, last night I got to spend a little time with uh, my favorite president, 
President Trump. And I promised today on social media that I would tell you just a little bit about that. That's a picture of us right there last night at Trump International Golf Course. Um, I asked him a few questions. Some of it I won't talk about, but the things I think I can tell you, I'd like to tell you. Uh, one is I asked him how long on the new social media until uh, that'll be launching, and we'll be seeing some things about that. And he said he was guessing, but he thought it would be about two to three months before we would see something on the new front of the new social media that we've been hearing so much about. And he did give me some other details on that, but I think I'm going to keep those to myself right now, just in case those were things that he didn't want out, because I try to be very protective of uh, what he may not mean for the media to know. Second thing was, he talked a lot about his Office 45. He's been setting, sending out press releases. I tried to find out how I could get you to be able to sign up for those and I was told by his office today that I was welcome to show some of those on this show so we'll be doing some more of that showing some of those press releases keeping you in touch with Donald Trump uh, and the things that he's doing last thing he commented that he was watching the Dr. Gina show and he watches it and so I'm thinking you should watch the show too because he does so that's your doctor's orders for tonight thank you for joining me tonight and thank you to everyone here at your home for real news don't forget to hug your children love your God and you go boldly now live the truth